Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 44. Everything I'm talking about in this episode comes from the week of October 16th. Here's what I'll be talking about. Tennessee may reject federal funding for education. Talking about an Idaho bathroom law, Vigo County Schools in Indiana, and Christian classical homeschool curriculums. All right. Story number one, the state of Tennessee is continuing their inquiry into whether or not they could feasibly reject federal funding for education. This is a new idea. A state is saying, we don't want federal funding. We're going to fund our own education. At least they're looking into it. So a group of eight Republicans and two Democrats uh, has been formed to look into this idea. If Tennessee were to reject federal funding, it would mean a couple of things, starting with the obvious positives. First of all, it would remove the federal government's overreach into education, which is unconstitutional to begin with. Second, parents, local and state governments would control education as opposed to politicians in Washington, D.C. controlling education. And finally, the state would be free from the strings attached to federal funding, such as, you know, being forced to adopt ideological policies like allowing boys into girls bathrooms and locker rooms for example tennessee's speaker of the house cameron sexton has championed this idea stating quote the federal government was set up by the states we should do everything that we can to be whole and autonomous and independent from the federal government we were doing fine in education until the 70s when the u.s department of education was established end quote Those who oppose this idea of rejecting federal funds claim that it would hurt Tennesseans by forcing them to pay for education twice. So not only would they be rejecting federal funds from the Department of Education, but the state would have to reject money for school lunches, which comes from the Department of Agriculture, as well as funds from Medicaid, which, you know, service students with disabilities, and funds from the Federal Communications Commission, which sets up internet connectivity in schools. So while that does seem like a lot of money that's being rejected, it really just highlights how deeply embedded the federal government is in education. So because schools and states have accepted federal funds more and more over the years, the federal government now has more strings attached to education. So at the same time that government claims to be the solution, you know, through more funding and more funding, Education has declined at the same time. Cameron Sexton addressed the claim of, you know, having to pay twice for education. He said that, quote, if the federal government truly wants the states to be successful, then they should release the restrictions and regulations to the states, return Tennessee taxpayers money back to the state and get back to the basics of border, military and other things, end quote. And that's the big idea, tax dollars. You know, it makes no sense 
for a family in Tennessee or anywhere else in the country for that matter to be forced to send their hard-earned money to politicians in Washington. And we all see how Washington spends our tax dollars. Then those politicians pay their lobbyists for a bunch of favors and make a bunch of ideological and woke policies. And then they tell those families back in Tennessee or wherever that they can't get their own money back unless they follow the rules made in D.C. This is the you know one-size-fits-all mentality where there's no competition in education, there's no accountability from the politicians in Washington who are making these rules. You know, there's no efficiency. There definitely aren't improvements in education. So why don't you just stop taxing people so much? Let them keep their own money and spend it however they see fit. The services that are really desired and needed, they'll be privately funded and they'll do well. The services that are wasteful and unneeded, will go away. So this concept that you know if we reject federal funds then we'll lose so much money. Well, the solution to that issue is for the federal government to tax us less. Then that rejected money, quote unquote, it would never have gone to DC in the first place. It would just stay in your pockets, in your bank account. And you could spend it on whatever type of education you wanted. You know, without the government strings attached. And that's it. It's that simple. The government doesn't have its own money. It only uses our money. You know, we don't send our tax dollars to D.C. and then they sprinkle it with their genius and somehow send us back more money. It's not like buying stocks and getting a return on investment. In fact, the opposite is true. When we send our taxes to D.C., we only get a fraction of it back if we get anything at all. It's a waste of money. States and families would be better off being taxed less. Now, I don't know of any families that are over $30 trillion in debt, do you? There's only one group that I know of that's that fiscally irresponsible, and that's the federal government. Story number two, good news for Idaho. A federal judge recently upheld an Idaho state law that requires students to use the bathroom or facility that aligns with their biological sex. This law also allows students to sue their school if the school allows a member of the opposite sex to use their bathroom or locker room. Idaho's attorney general said, quote, it is particularly important that the safety and privacy interests of minor students are protected, end quote. Fun fact, did you know that there are over 18,000 schools, 18,000 schools in America that have rules or policies saying that school staff can keep a student's gender identity a secret from their parents? 18,000, over 18,000. That's over 360 schools per state on average. The group called Parents Defending Education, uh, they have a list of all the schools in the country with such policies. So go check them out. Parents Defending Education. Story number three. Earlier this fall, a federal appeals court in Indiana upheld a ruling which says that transgender students must have access to the bathrooms and locker rooms consistent with their gender identities. 
This ruling was the result of a lawsuit against the high school in Vigo County, Indiana. The lawsuit claimed that two trans students, girls who said they were boys, were illegally denied access to facilities that aligned with their gender identity. So the school was forced to have a transgender policy based on gender identity instead of biological sex. Well, that same school district, Vigo County, is back in the news after a middle school teacher was forced to remove a cross and Bible verse from their classroom. Apparently, a concerned parent complained about the cross in scripture, saying it violated the establishment clause of the First Amendment. So here, in a single public school district in Indiana, we can see which set of values are prevailing here. The values you know, which promote gender theory and atheism. Those values are prevailing. And this is in Indiana. It's not New York, LA, or Chicago. This is the heartland. I'm from Indiana, born and raised in a small town. You know, and we're continuing to see these policies taking over the public education system all around the country. That was the case over 30 years ago in my hometown when the Indiana Supreme Court ruled that the Gideons could not distribute Bibles to students. This was in the early 90s. That ruling is what caused my parents to homeschool my siblings and me. Because, you know, my parents could see that the Bible and biblical principles were being removed from schools. You know, where the Bible was once the principal textbook. So, in honor of that, I'll finish with a verse from the Bible. The same verse that was in the middle school teacher's classroom until they were forced to remove it. It comes from Jeremiah 29.11 and it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, end quote. Wow, so offensive, right? So threatening. I mean, that's like literal physical abuse. So oppressive. Hope and peace, ill. I'm joking, of course. Story number four. I want to finish by providing some information, giving you some resources for families who are either looking to start homeschooling their kids, or maybe you're already homeschooling and you're looking to change your curriculum provider and mix things up a little bit. So whenever I meet new people and I tell them how I'm involved with homeschooling, I was homeschooled, I create homeschool curriculum, I usually mention my opinion that the best education a child can get is a Christian classical education. Then I'm usually asked, well, what is a Christian classical education? Well, generally speaking, it's rooted in the Word of God, first and foremost, and it uses classic materials and classic methods of instruction. Basically, it's what education was for thousands of years before it became progressive and run by our government. Then the most common follow-up question I get is, well, what are the names of some of these Christian classical homeschool curriculums? And that's what I want to provide to you here right now. Some of those names of Christian classical homeschool curriculums. All right, so I'll just share some of those. Uh, I'll share some of the more well-known Christian and classical homeschool curriculums. I do have personal experience with a few of them, both as a homeschool student and as an instructor. Uh, but these opinions are my own. Um, I just know they're Bible-based. All right. To be completely fair, I'm not the authority. 
on any of these providers. Um, I'm just trying to answer those common questions I get and share some names with you. And then I'll let you do your own research and choose the one that you like. But I am familiar with everything I'm mentioning here. All right. So here are some Christian homeschool providers. Not necessarily Christian classical, but just Christian homeschool providers. First is Abeka, A-B-E-K-A. Abeka is maybe the most common in this genre. When I was a student, my family used Abeka a lot. I believe it has the reputation of being a little more structured, maybe a little more intense, right? In case you like or need that. Next is Master Books. Now, to be fair, I am a little biased here because I created some homeschool courses for Masterbooks, but I know the people. They're wonderful. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. I personally would be totally comfortable using Masterbooks curriculum for my own child. Their desire is to glorify God, to, dis, uh, to disciple children. Every subject is Christ-centered, of course, and I think you can't go wrong with Masterbooks. They also have online courses. That's where my courses can be found. Uh, you can find those through the Masterbooks Academy. The Academy is their online section. Uh, Masterbooks has a different feel than Abeka might. Masterbooks has the reputation of being a little more gentle, a little more flexible. Maybe it requires less time on a daily basis. Another Christian homeschool curriculum is Apologia. Apologia, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A. Their mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the Christian faith. And the focus is on parents discipling their children at home. Now, finally, I'll give you a few Christian classical curriculums. And again, you can look into them and do more research yourself and use the ones that you see fit. First in this group is Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations. Their materials are Christ-centered, family-friendly. Their mission is, quote, to know God and make him known. Therefore, we aspire to develop both minds and souls, end quote. And finally, I want to talk about the NOAA plan curriculum, NOAA, like Noah's Ark. The NOAA plan curriculum, which is a biblical, classical approach to education and is created by the Foundation for American Christian Education, or FACE, F-A-C-E. Foundation for American Christian Education. This curriculum uses what's known as the principal approach. Principal, P-L-E. Principal approach. The principal approach places the truth of God's word at the center of every subject. So by learning biblical truth, a proper education can then be formed. Again, the name of the curriculum is the NOAA plan, and it uses the principal approach. You can find the links to all of these curriculums uh, on the episode page, so be sure to check that out. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. That's the State of State Schools. Take care.